Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today is my friend, Brian Hedges. Brian, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, hey, look, catch us up a little bit on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on. Well, as, uh, as you know, and probably some of your listeners know, I'm pastor at Redeemer Church in uh, Niles, Michigan, which is greater Michiana area, just a few miles north of South Mid Indiana, Notre Dame University. I've been here for 16 years, um, married to Holly, and we have four kids now ranging from six years old to 17 years old. So it's uh, one of the busiest seasons of life uh, with four kids still home, and uh, it's good. Uh, our church is doing well in a, a good season of growth and momentum. Yeah, we're just trying to fit it all in and honor the Lord uh, through that process. Awesome. Well, I know you're always writing. What books are you working on now? I uh, have just finished editing a volume for Reformation Heritage uh, books. This is for their Puritan Treasures for Today series. So it's a volume priesthood of christ uh, so that's the most recent project uh that is uh, kind of underway that should be out by the end of the year and then i've got three or four others that are kind of in the works that are a little further off cool so. look forward to having you back on for that yeah that'd, I be, hope great. So. that'd be great yeah that, oh Thank you can count on that you can bank your count your bottom dollar on that one so well uh can you please tell us about your book or i don't know booklet i guess it is it's 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 a maybe like 50 60 pages uh the story of his glory why you wrote it and how you hope it's received yeah so uh this uh this is really a long tract uh more than a book it's uh i'm looking here it's 64 pages long you count the index and i actually originally wrote this as a gospel presentation uh to be used by parachurch ministry uh on their website and then what crossways published now is kind of an expanded version of that and the goal was to write um, a gospel presentation that's longer than your average tract that encompasses both the essential uh, doctrinal components of the gospel uh, from a, an evangelical uh, framework but also includes the uh, the broad sweep of redemptive history so it's a it's a gospel presentation that moves from creation and fall all the way Way to new heavens, new earth. Um, so that's kind of the goal. It's uh, short enough to be read in one sitting. I think it's about 5,000 words long, something like that. So it's a 30, 45 minute read. Um, Crossway, I think, did a great job with it, publishing it in a very attractive a small book format. So it actually has a spine. It's not like a stapled um, tract. Uh, so so they did a great job with it. But the, the aim is to use this to equip new believers with the gospel and to give it to as many of your non-Christian friends as possible so that they've got a, an opportunity to, to read and to hear and understand good news. And the, and the short, good thing is, is it's easy to read. Um, so somebody could sit there and, and read it in maybe a half an hour or, or so. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's um, or or you could read it slower and and really digest it, but it, it 
it's as always it's, when you write something it's well written and very thoughtful so how do stories provide a lens through which we see the world well i think all of us uh, tend to view the world in terms of uh, certain stories um you know, we have minds that are are shaped by stories. You think about our culture. You think about our history. Um, I think all of us tend to think in those terms. Uh, there's a, a philosopher, maybe you've heard of him, um, Alistair McIntyre, um, who asked a great question. Um, he said, I can only answer the question, what am I to do if I can answer the prior question? of what story or stories do I find myself apart? And uh, I use that as kind of an intro to the book that we we really can't understand what our responsibilities are and uh, what kind of life we should live if we don't understand what kind of story we're living in. So it's really getting back at the issue of worldview and uh, framing our understanding of our lives within a Christian worldview. How, how important is it that we understand that story and be able to engage at a worldview Say, since it's tracked, uh, people are would engage with an atheist or a Muslim or a Mormon or something like that. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important you look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 17, when he's speaking to a, a totally pagan audience, right, at uh, the Areopagus uh, in Acts 17. Essentially, what Paul does is he takes them back to the beginning. He takes them back to creation, to the character of God, and he starts laying out the framework for a biblical and Christian worldview. And that's often the scenario that we find ourselves in today. Uh, We're talking to people who are biblically illiterate. They don't know the Bible. We're talking to people who... don't even have the basic structure of a biblical narrative in their minds. And so it's hard to talk about sin and righteousness. It's hard to talk about uh, heaven and hell. It's hard to talk about the the reason why we would even need atonement for our sins if we don't have some of that basic uh, framework in place, Uh, especially today where, uh, you know, people who don't believe in God don't believe in moral absolutes, which means they don't believe in right and wrong. They don't believe in sin. And so in so we establish some of the, some of those basic uh, parameters. It's hard to you know, get much traction in our conversations about the gospel. Yeah, nobody's nobody is uh, nobody's neutral. Um, you know, we know what R.C. Sproul said: everyone is a theologian. The question is whether you're a good one or a bad one, and depending on your apologetic view. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I believe in the presuppositional method of apologetics. So I want to engage people at the worldview, and so I, I I just ask them, "What do you think about Jesus? You know, tell me about Jesus." What you think about him? What, what does he? What does he mean? Uh, the interesting thing is, often I'm, I'm I'm like, well, I don't believe what you believe. Of course, my question implies that I, I already know the answer, which is true. Um, but still, I want to hear. I ask the question to hear what they think to get them talking. Um, yeah, well, using questions for uh, these evangelistic conversations. Are why? Are you familiar with Randy Newman's stuff on questioning evangelism? You know what? I don't think I've actually read that. Yeah, it's an excellent book. It's uh, I'm trying to remember who published that. It's either IVP or NAP Press or okay, one cool. of those. But that's what we use. Uh, we, we always have copies of that here at our church. And we use some of Randy, uh, Randy Newman's stuff for training. Uh, but it's good stuff. He just shows that you know even in the Gospels, you see Jesus constantly engaging people with questions. And questions can lead to meaningful dialogue and conversations. So, yeah, that's 
that's that's a good method. So you kind of take the creation, fall, re- re- redemption, restoration fra- framework in in this book. Um, that's right. Can you just basically like maybe walk us through what that is, um, why you took that framework, um, and and yeah, what what implications that has for um, how we engage in evangelism? Uh, yeah, I'll try to. That's like three questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you why I did it. Sure. Um, and hopefully I can do it without, you know, sounding like there's too much hubris in this. But uh, in 2006, I was at the Desiring God National Conference where Tim Keller did a session on evangelism. And it was, for me, one of those paradigm-shifting moments. You know, you and you hear a, a sermon or you read a book like this every few years that just kind of opens up a new world of thought to you. Yeah. And uh, that session by Keller was the most important thing in evangelism that I had heard up to to that day. And in that session, and of course, remember 2006, where riots were maybe three or four years into the emerging church mm-hmm. movement, and also kind of the new Calvinism, the young restless reform, all that's kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. And Keller made a comment that um, there were basically were two approaches to evangelism. And I'm very much paraphrasing. It's been a while since I've heard this. But he, he said, you know, there's kind of the old evangelicalism. So evangelism explosion, uh, campus crusade, four spiritual laws. So you you had a kind of evangelism that was doctrinally focused, that emphasized God, man, sin, Christ, faith. And then you had newer forms of evangelism that had more of the narrative framework, but often neglected the systematic theological categories of the older evangelism. And Keller's comment was, we need we need a way of doing evangelism that gets both of those things. It gets both the narrative framework and gets the evangelical systematic theology categories and meshes those together. And when I wrote this, that's what was in my mind, was how do you do that? How do you get the narrative framework, the biblical theology, the, the structure of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, how do you get that? and also get in the systematic theology, justification by faith alone, faith and repentance, um, you know, an orthodox, evangelical, reformed view of God, man, sin, Christ, and faith. And so that's what I was trying to do in this uh, booklet. Now, whether so whether I succeeded in doing that, I, I'll leave that to, to readers to judge, but that was what was in my mind, and what was part of my intention was to get that biblical theology and the systematic theology together in one brief gospel presentation. And I think it's helpful um, to get to get all of that in one package, and it's harder to do in a short, you know, yeah. tracked length uh, format. And so this is essentially the length of one chapter of a book. Hmm. So it's, it's longer than a tract, it's shorter than a full the book but it's long enough to get a lot of content in what 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 other books um would you recommend that for people that are interested in in reading more about this what what would you recommend to them well more about biblical theology or more about evangelism uh well either one yeah both okay uh well biblical theology um god's big picture by von roberts is a great intro it's a the biblical storyline yeah um gospel and kingdom by graham goldsworthy excellent book yeah um, I, I love everything Graham Goldsworthy writes. Um, yeah, those are the two that come to mind for me on biblical theology. I'm sure there's a lot of others. And there's a lot that I haven't read. That's on evangelism, everything Randy Newman writes. Hmm. Questioning evangelism, corner conversations, bringing the gospel home. And then, of course, Tim Keller's stuff is also a great reason for God. It's That's a little bit more apologetics, but uh, I think that's a great book. Have you checked out the start short studies in biblical theology from Crossway? No, those have been on my wish list for a while, and I haven't. Oh, they're 
Just some rhythm, yeah. They're great. You can also go on our podcasts. I've interviewed the authors, so for, for yeah. that. So no, they're good. Yeah, they're they're really good. They're just short. They're really accessible. Um, even if you're familiar with biblical theology, you'll 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 get something out of it. Um, yeah, it's, I you think know, it's, James Hamilton has also done a lot of stuff on biblical theology, and I haven't I haven't read his big book all the way through, but I've I've done some skim reading in it, and it looks great. It is, yeah. It came out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, academic yeah it is um so we were talking about you know the gospel and evangelism um you know a lot of christians struggle with with that to engage in evangelism they're they're afraid to go and talk to somebody what would you what would you say to a christian that is is fearful of handing out this tract for example yeah so I think that's a question that maybe invites a little bit of deeper digging in uh, in one's mind and heart. So why why is someone timid? Why is someone afraid? I think there'd be a lot of reasons behind that. So for some people, it's just it is a temperament issue. It's kind of a personality weakness. They're they're timid to talk about anything, you know, to strangers. They're not going to ask for directions, um, and and so that I think invites one response. Uh, for some people, it's more of a, it really is a spiritual issue. Um, so people who are, they're not necessarily shy by nature, but they're just intimidated to share the gospel because they're, they want people's approval or they're you know afraid of rejection or they're, uh, maybe they're ashamed of the gospel. Uh, so I think we have to ask the question, why are we, why are we struggling? Um, and there are lots of different reasons. Uh, maybe the best thing I could do is refer to a letter, uh, an open letter I wrote on this uh, for Crossway that kind of pairs with this book. It's called An Open Letter to the Timid Evangelist. And I try to dig into that, you know, ask some questions and give some counsel advice on uh, how to overcome your, your fear in sharing the gospel. And I relate. I mean, I, I have felt those emotions as well. So I understand. Um, yeah, I agree as well. I, I, I You know that I grew up in Seattle. And uh, when you grow up in Seattle, you're going to talk to a lot of non-Christians. Uh, most of my friends, when I lived there, there were were non-christians so the thing is the thing is about that and what i tell christians is all you have to do is just be yourself you know we we don't we think that we have to have this highfalutin um theological conversation with a with a non-christian and be able to answer all their questions and all their objections they're not they're not expecting that but what they're expecting is that you're going to be honest with them they have they have real questions um they want to see your love for for jesus and they want you to be honest hey i don't know the answer um but i'm willing to go find out or would you be willing to read the bible with me and we can learn together um that that goes a long way to breaking down like all sorts of objections that, that a lot of non-Christians have about Christianity in general. You know, they may not come around to the Christian worldview and believe the gospel and those kind of things. That's that's another subject for another day. But just, just being honest and uh, being a person of integrity, which is really important um, in, a, in a Christian worldview, um, is just so vital uh, to engaging non-Christians, I've learned. Yeah. You know, I, I think also thinking long-term about our relationships with unbelievers is important. So sometimes when we think about evangelism, we're thinking about cold turkey evangelism, or we're thinking about conversation on the airplane or whatever. And those are those are good to have. I don't want to do anything to discourage that. Yeah. Uh, but also think about your ne- next-door neighbors who are not Christians, or your family members who are not Christians, or, you know, the lady who cuts your hair uh, who's not a Christian. And just think about moving the conversation 
a little further along every time you can um, by getting to know them better, by being kind, by asking questions about their beliefs, and by nudging them uh, towards considering the claims of Christ. And, uh, you know, what you what you suggested a minute ago, I think, is also important to just ask people, are you willing to read the Bible with me? Um, so one of my uh, brothers is very involved in a, a local church and involved in evangelism. And maybe a year or so ago, he, he did, and he, he regularly does this with a small group. He'll go out and um, meet people um, and just ask the question in an initial conversation, would you be interested in reading the Bible with me? Mm. And uh, he, he met a guy who was willing to do that. They started reading the Bible together every week, did that for about a year, and uh, that, that guy became a Christian and was baptized uh, about a month ago. Wow. Just began with reading the Bible, and but they did that regularly together for about a year uh, before this uh, this guy who's uh, he was a Chinese immigrant uh, in the States, but has now come to Christ. So uh, that's a great strategy. You know, we get people reading the Bible. God's Word is powerful, and uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So we need to get the Word into people's minds and hearts. You know, we've kind of kicked this kicked this conversation around, and we've kind of touched on this, but but let's just, I think a lot of Christians struggle to ask well, they struggle to engage with non-Christians and to ask questions. How important do you think it is that we that we actually ask good questions of people? Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I've already mentioned Randy Newman, but you, when you look at, and Randy Newman brings this out, when you look at how Jesus engages people in the Gospels, he's regularly asking them questions. You know, they come and ask him a question, he will respond with a question. Um, so I think it's important, I think it's helpful. Uh, questions invite further dialogue, and when we're seeking to do evangelism, uh, we want it to be a conversation. We want it to be a dialogue so that we're we're seeking to understand where they are, what they think. And when we do that, I think it, uh, it leads to them asking further questions of us as well. So uh, questions, I think, are a great way to engage. I think it also deals with a huge objection that many many non-Christians have, quite frankly, and that is uh, they, they think that we're anti-intellectual and we're afraid of asking questions. So if we ask a question, we're actually showing that we're not anti-intellectual, that we actually uh, you know can use our minds, yeah. which I think is a huge, huge thing. Um, so how does, uh, how does the redemptive story of the gospel help fuel the the Christian's engagement in evangelism. So, if I'm understanding your the question right, you're you're asking how does understanding like the the storyline of Scripture yeah. help us with evangelism? Um, so, again, I think meaningful explanations of the gospel depend on a certain shared understanding of the way the world is, right? Uh, so, if if you're talking to someone who is a moral relativist who doesn't believe that there's absolute right and wrong, and you're trying to convince them that they need forgiveness of their sins. Um, you're going to run into a wall pretty quickly, right, in terms of even speaking the same language. Uh, so sometimes we just need to back up, and we need to back up and situate and frame our discussion of the gospel and of salvation and the need for forgiveness and the need for eternal life. Uh, we need to situate that within a, a bigger storyline. And so I think uh, the redemptive storyline of Scripture uh, that is the storyline within which the gospel uh, must be understood. And so uh, that can help us. Um, so the way you ask the question, how does it fuel our evangelism? Um, do you mean by that, like, how does it motivate us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so I think it's I think it's motivating. Evangelism 
can be motivated by understanding God's big purposes hmm. in human history. So this is what I know. I mean, I know that Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. So that's going to happen, right? The gospel of the kingdom is going to be proclaimed in all the nations. Um, I know that Christ, in his victorious and all-sufficient atonement, has redeemed for himself people from every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation. Um, I know that he, Isaiah 53, he will see... Uh, the travail of his soul, you know, he will see the fruits of this travail and he will be satisfied. I believe that God's purpose to save a people for himself will be fulfilled. And that's uh, that's tremendous encouragement in evangelism because it means that God's work is going to be accomplished. It's not up to me to accomplish it, but I have the privilege to participate in what he's doing by sharing that word. Uh, so you think about Paul you know, when he was going to Corinth, and you remember that he saw a vision of the Lord. Paul was afraid to go to Corinth, and uh, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, uh, don't be afraid, go to the city, for I have many people in the city. Yeah. And they're presumably people who are not converted yet, but, but God is he's faithful to bring the elect to Christ. And Paul says that, Second Timothy chapter 2, he says, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the eternal salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Sort of the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right, I endure everything for the elect that they may obtain salvation. Um, so understanding God's purpose to save a people for his glory in human history, I think is tremendous motivation to, to be faithful to share the gospel. That's uh, well said. I think if we, I think you would agree with this. If we think about what Christ has done for us, uh, we will want to share more about what Christ has has done for us in, in the cross, you know, in his is finished and sufficient work. Uh, we we will will be our new affections will desire. We, we we it'll just come out. It'll ooze out of us. We we can't but share about what Christ has done. If if we're understanding that rightly, um, that's an important qualifier. And and we're meditating on that. We're growing and understanding that. We we can't help if we're born again to to share that because Holy Spirit wants to make much of Jesus. So we. We will desire to do that. I like to. I like to. People that are afraid or not sure about that, I just like to take them back to that, to the most basic thing, and um, that that seems to help a lot. Yeah. Well, Brian, just as we wrap up this conversation, um, I know we've had a pretty wide-ranging conversation, you know, even on matters kind of outside of your book, but this tract. But uh, what are some takeaways that you would have for people as they go ahead and pick up this track and use this track? Well, so first of all, for let me let me address it to three different categories of people. Okay, so first of all, for church leaders, um, I would love for church leaders, for pastors, for elders, for um, maybe pastors of outreach or evangelism to to get this book and to use it for training. Um, I I think this could be a resource that can help people learn how to share the gospel with others. And um, it's a it's a pretty simple framework. This is a simple book. It's this is not it's not long. It's not complicated. It's not overly theological. Um, it's it's a simple outline of the gospel that takes you from creation all the way to new creation. It talks about the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross. It talks about the resurrection. It talks about faith and repentance. It talks about about, uh, what it means uh, to become a Christian, and then what how we should live as believers. So I think it's a it's a useful tool for leaders in training people to share the gospel, um, and that's that's one reason it, it's uh, that's one reason we we put this. 
this together. Uh, then for uh, new believers and, um, and, and just your rank and file Christian, if you want a resource that you can share with others who are not Christians, uh, I think this is a resource that can be helpful. It's um, maybe one feature of it that I haven't mentioned yet is there's a lot of scripture in uh, this book. I think are quote over a hundred verses. Um, so you, people are going to get a lot of Bible if they read this. They're going to they're going to get um, lots of scripture woven together into this one coherent narrative. You know the storyline of scripture. Uh, so it's a great way to introduce people to the Christian faith. And uh, so a, a takeaway for your everyday believer is um, use these to to give away to your non Christian friends. And then. Uh, you know, of course, the, the third category of person would be the non-believer, the, the seeker, uh, the person who's not yet committed to Christ. And uh, I don't know if you have many who listen to your podcast or not, but but in the hopes that some are, you know, my encouragement would be read this and then dig deeper into Scripture itself and seriously consider the claims of Christ. Consider uh, the gospel and um, this message of good news. Read it, see if it makes sense, and see if uh, the Holy Spirit begins to, to work in your heart as you consider it. Amen. Well, if if anybody is not a Christian listening to this podcast, I, I do hope that you will genuinely, uh, seriously read this tract and consider what Christ has accomplished for you. And Brian, as always, I, I really appreciate uh, your work. Uh, I think that it's it's always very well done. And so may Christ continue to richly bless you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.